Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests, and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. And welcome to Triversity Talk. I'm Wendy Stewart, and I am so happy to be here with you tonight. You know, I look forward to my Wednesday nights just so I can sit here in the privacy of my own home with my colorful background and talk to everybody and have on so many great guests. So I hope everyone has had a good week so far. We are at hump day, Wednesday, and we are like one week away from Thanksgiving Eve. I don't know. You know what? The last time I turned around, I felt like it was Halloween. I don't know where the time has gone. However, we had something really great happen with our organization, Triversity, which is located in Milford, Pennsylvania, and services the tri-state area, New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania, the more rural areas. Our executive director, Taylor James, was honored at the Chamber of Commerce meeting that we had, and it was a whole dinner, and he got an award, and he and um, one of our other very esteemed board members, John Stephen Hellman, both made fabulous speeches, which I didn't get to hear yet. I have to see the video. Somebody's got to send it to me. Uh, I want to hear their speeches because it was really uh, quite something to get this award. And I'm very proud of Triversity whenever something like this happens. So yay, a round of applause for them. So uh, my guest tonight, I first learned about this person because I have an incredible friend who's been on the show. His name is Jed Ryan and um, he wears two hats. Well, actually three. He's a wonderful nurse, all right, caregiver. But in addition to that, he's an incredible photographer and quite a writer. And he has been reviewing many plays, 
on his blog. It's called Lavender After Dark. And he brought to my attention a play called Communion. And this play is by Matthew LeBanca. But the thing that really got to me about Communion was what the play is about. I like to say art is often born from real life. And Matthew has been described as a warrior, a warrior that you can't and will not shut up. Well, I want to find out more about this because communion had a lot to do with something very personal that happened to him. He'll be here now to tell us about it. Let's welcome Matthew LaBanca. Hi, Wendy. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Great to be here. Thank you. Well, so it's great to have you here. And again, shout out to Jed Ryan. You know, I have lots of people when they meet someone that really impresses them or a project that the person's worked on, they're like, oh, you have to have this person on your show. And um, Jed was completely blown away, first of all, by your play. Thank you. You absolutely blew him away. And he sees a lot of plays. So, um I'm really thrilled to have you here tonight. So your play was um, a few weeks ago, am I correct? Yeah, we debuted at the Cell Theater, Nancy Manicharian Cell Theater in New York City, where I live. Okay. Um, that's a developmental incubator of a theater that fosters new works and communion um, received a developmental production end of September, beginning of October for three weeks. I, yeah, I, I saw that. And I'm sure that that is really competitive. So congratulations to you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we were handpicked. You know, I about nine or 10 years ago, um, I'm an actor in New York. I came to New York uh, about 25 years ago. And um, I've had a very, um, just a lot of good things happen in my career. I've toured the country. I've played regionally. I've been on Broadway. And about oh, 10 you years ago. Like Frankenstein. You did a Christmas oh, Carol. Yes. Yeah. All yeah. the good stuff. You put, where, who did, what did you play in Frankenstein? Who were in you? In Young Frankenstein, I was in the ensemble. I had a couple smaller parts, including Dracula at the end, when Dracula meets it. Frankenstein. Um, but I also covered the lead. I covered the Gene Wilder part. Oh, my gosh. The, the Dr. Frankenstein. And this was in 2007. Um, got to be in the room with Mel Brooks and Susan Stroman and create this whole Broadway version of this amazing, hilarious movie. Um, but this was now with some people may have even seen it at this point because it's been done all over the country. But I got to be with the original company. And during previews in New York City, the lead actor, he um, he had an injury on a Friday night in the middle of previews. He wrenched his back. And oh. for like the next nine shows, the next nine shows went on as the lead. I didn't have any rehearsal. I didn't have any out. So how did you I always ask actors this. How did you learn your lines so quickly? So we had been we had done an out of town tryout in Seattle earlier that summer. This was okay. by now we opened right around Halloween. You know, young Frankenstein, Frankenstein. We opened right around there. So I knew a lot of the lines, but in previews they were um they were writing new jokes all the time. So they're like, <laughs> okay, it's Thursday night, and Matthew, we need to try this new joke out. Say it like this. Do it like this. Here's the line. And sometimes they would keep things. Sometimes they would cut things. If it didn't get a laugh, it would go. I mean, it was wild. You really, as an actor, have to be very flexible and open to improvisation, I would think, to be able to do that. 
Yeah, you do. You just got to be there with the other people on stage and just say, hey, we're just going for the ride. Right. We're just having a good, we're just having a good time up here. Wow. Yeah. And then you were in a Christmas carol. And then I was in a Christmas carol. This was favorite shows. Oh my gosh. And this was a British import that played, um, they played in London. Um, and they've been touring this all around as well. But in 2019, we had the Broadway debut with that. Wow. Yeah. Wow. You so you've had like a lot of really incredible breaks already in your life. I have. I've been really lucky and um yeah. A lot of great things happen, and you know the subject of my latest play, Communion, um, is a bit of a twist on saying that it was a good thing that happened because it really wasn't a good thing. No, but it was know. a terrible thing. And I, I, yeah. you know, we talk a lot. Um, so this organization, which you don't know anything about, is located in Milford, Pennsylvania. I'm actually based out of New York, but I'm in Milford on the weekends, and we are an LGBTQ plus organization. We, of course, service the whole tri-state area, right? But we have, we're in Pennsylvania, and if you read the papers, and I'm sure you do, we have a lot of challenges, yeah. uh, not from Philadelphia, but, you know, in the more rural areas. So what happened to you could easily happen to actually anybody. And, you know, this kind of stuff is out there. I think what impresses me so much is you went and wrote a play about it. And um, it it had to be a very painful experience for you at the time. So if you can just open up right now and um, please share how communion came about. Sure. Um, so as an actor, you know, I you have to find solvency jobs. You're not always working on the stage, right? You have highs and lows. And right. it turned out that I grew up. Um, within the Catholic Church, I was baptized Catholic, First Communion, Confirmation, the whole deal. And in the, my neighborhood in Queens, New York, there was a church a few blocks away. And my neighbors knocked on my door because they heard me singing and playing piano in my apartment. Oh, we need somebody to play um, sure. the music director. Could you play the organ? I met people. They were so nice. They were great. They knew I was gay. And they said, come, come work here. It wasn't like I was completely open and overt about like my sexuality. You know, I, I you, said, you know, excuse me, who, who, ha who has to be walk around with a sign and say who they're sleeping with? You know, you're musically talented. They were your neighbors yeah. and they needed someone with your talent. So that's a no brainer. It is a no brainer. Although, I mean, I, I can't be completely naive to say that I'm not aware of the stance of, the Catholic Church and the LGBTQ community. I understand. We absolutely yeah. all are. And there's a number of people that listen to wow. this show that belong to our amazing Methodist church in Milford, Pennsylvania, wow. which of course is open and welcoming and all of that. So we get into conversations about Catholicism all the time. Please go on. I want to hear the sure. rest. Sure. Of course. So I worked there for several years. I would leave, go back and forth with, with jobs. Somebody there, um, a parishioner came up to me and said, wow, you do a great job with the choirs here. You do a great job. We have a youth choir. You know, would you like a job teaching music at the other Catholic school, like down the, down the street? Um, I had a degree in music education. I didn't really use it because I was, I wanted to be in New York and performing, but um, I wound up saying yes, because they agreed to everything I asked. I said, if I ever get a, a job in New York, a performing job, whatever, I need to go away and do it. But I want to be able to come back because, you know, now I'm in my 40s. I want to build some roots. 
I want to be part of my community. Right, of course. Are you cool with that? They said, absolutely. absolutely. And they, they literally, I mean, I'm amazed at how things have, were handed to you, right? Yes. Because these things were handed to you, this, but this experience ultimately is what ends up creating communion. And it was almost like you had to have these series of things happen in your life for this amazing play to take place. Go on. There's, there's no question. Um, so um, I'm working, I'm doing my work. And this whole time I'm with my boyfriend, my then boyfriend, now husband, Rowan. And we got engaged in 2019 and we got married. Well, we tried to get married three times because of COVID. We had to keep postponing everything. Right. But we um, eventually did get, finally were able to get married on the most beautiful day of, of our lives, um, uh, April, August 1st of 2021. You had a summer a summer wedding. We and sure only did. two years ago. And oh, how beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he's my best friend. And my family loves him, and I have very just a very supportive community. A um, couple weeks after that, a friend of mine who works at the church where I play on the weekends said, hey, you know, um, there was a phone call to the office here. Somebody said something. They saw something about your wedding online. And, um, and I don't think anything's going to happen, but just so you know, Somebody called. I said, all right, well, whatever. it's fine. We're in New York City. It's a fairly progressive mindset here. The parishioners know that I'm gay. Rowan has been in, has been at uh, parish parties, has come to the rectory. Different things have happened, right? So a month after that, I had planted that seed, but a month after that, I, um, I get called in for a planning session for music because, you know, music directors do that. And... When I get to this planning session with my boss, there's another person there, um, Sister Joan from the Diocese of Brooklyn, which was my ultimate employer. And my pastor sat me down for an hour and said, the Catholic Church does not agree with same-sex marriage, and we are here to hear your side of the story. I was ambushed. I said, what, what, what? And they said, somebody said something about your wedding. And we didn't, we need to know, was this wedding registered in a state? I Are said, you, wow. like, like, what do you mean? Like if it, if it was um, on a bed of roses somewhere in the park somewhere that it wouldn't mean anything, but because it's, what are you talking about? Yeah. What are, what are you saying? Right. So it was registered in the state of Connecticut where we were married. And to them, that was the breaking point. Apparently there was this diocesan committee made up of high-ranking officials with um, with auxiliary bishops and the diocesan lawyer and my bosses and all sorts of people. Uh, the superintendent. Okay. Just for a uh, second here. They had to like call in judge, jury, and heaven only knows who else. Yeah. It, it's like a lynching mob. So this, um, this committee was kind of a, an unusual thing because Typically, you would think things are going to be swift and ruthless, like, like when a woman is a teacher in a Catholic school and is unmarried, and if she were to get pregnant out of wedlock, she would be fired immediately. I had no idea. Okay. Wow. Um, which to me is almost more ruthless than what happened with me, because here you are bringing in a new life to the world. 
and you're going to cut off their health insurance and you're going to so cut you off. You can't even be insurance. like a single mother with a sperm donor and have a kid in the Catholic church. I mean, I don't know that specifically, but I mean, it's very possible. It's very possible. Wow. Right? So the thing is that here, here I was knowing that these practices are very ruthless and this is just the, the gavel con will come down, right? This committee was meeting for six weeks to determine the fate. Is Matthew what they call, is he a minister? Is he a minister of the faith? And they use that terminology. This is what, and maybe some of your listeners might be familiar with this, something called ministerial exception. It's the idea that a religious institution is granted um, liberty to hire and fire at will who they are, who they have in their employer, if the person is deemed a minister of the faith. For example, if a person was a janitor in the school, they could not be fired for being in a same-sex marriage. But because I was deemed, in their eyes, a minister, even though I was never ordained, I didn't go to seminary, I don't do homilies. Some would say, you're a music minister, and we've heard that term before, but my title was music director, and I didn't write the music. I was just, anyway, I had the two jobs. I had a job as a teacher in the Catholic school, and they were saying, well, you're teaching faith-filled songs, et cetera, et cetera. They met for six weeks to determine my fate, and in the end, they said, we deem Matthew as a minister. We've spoken with our lawyer, and we're we're firing him simultaneously from both his job as this a This is completely interpretive on their part. Completely yeah. interpretive. What? So this six-week period that you went through, what was that like for you? Well, I'd like to say, on to piggyback on your interpretive, just because an organization has religious liberty doesn't mean they have to exercise it. Right. Okay. That was their choice, to exercise it. Just because you're granted this First Amendment and it, it's through Title VII, ministerial exception is what they right. said. The six weeks were really tough because it was almost like going, it was almost like going back in the closet because I was out and I've been out since the late 90s. And um, I thought that they wanted to see me um, be as discreet as possible because they were saying this was made public. People saw it public. I said it was on Facebook. That's not a public forum. You have to be my friend to see anything. And my boss even admitted, he said, yeah, we're, I couldn't see anything because you and I aren't friends. <laughs> you and I friends on Facebook. I was like, right. tell me about it. Tell me about it. So um, I just, I mean, you're getting the gist of the story, but I took this story after those six weeks of deciding, do I say something? Do I not say something? And I didn't say to show that I could be discreet, to show that it wasn't in the newspaper. It wasn't on the news. It wasn't public. Well, it was on Facebook. It was on social media. It was and on there, social media. That goes into the interpretation again. Sure. Yes, because absolutely. Whether someone is your friend or not, people control other people and yeah. get information about them the minute it goes on social media. So it's, you know what I'm saying? It's that whole fine line. Yes, it is. And they, they decided to err on the other side of what I would have initially preferred. Although I do now, two years later, view this as something of a blessing to propel me through the growth of my life. Right. 
and to possibly help heal other people with this story. Yes. Um, eventually, I was faced with a decision um, in the middle of October when another employee from the Diocese of Brooklyn came and uh, sat me down and let me know that I was being terminated. I was holding out hope. I wrote letters. I was as eloquent as possible. Um, but in the end, they were not swayed. And he said, here are two severance packages, one for each job. And if you sign these, we'll give you $10,000 for each package, which amounted to tw obviously 20000 but maybe about three, three and a half months of my annual income in exchange for silence for the rest of my life. Because it was one of those, one of those corporate. Yeah. Deal. agreements where non-disparagement non-disclosure you sign this we'll give you a severance but right. then mum is the word then Zip don't talk it. about your mom's right. right and i was thinking can i pay my rent can i do you know all of these things rowan was wonderful and my family was wonderful they were like you'll be fine we're we're here for you okay but they had to i mean they had to be, you had to be angry over this. I mean, this is an attack and I'm sure both your partner and you and your family, I mean, you're a teacher for gosh sakes, a good person, someone that's passing things on to younger people. And now you've been singled out and really objectified all right, put under a mic. I'm sure your life was put under a microscope, the things that you don't even know about, right? The fact that they were discussing you in such a way in a room. Did, at any point, Matt, did you think about getting a lawyer? I do have a lawyer, actually. You did, okay. I do have a lawyer right now. It's, everything's very slow. There's still backup from COVID, uh, but we filed with the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. Okay, good. Yeah. And, and um, I'm not going to get into any of your business, but it's yeah. just like I'm thinking I'm putting myself right in your shoes. And the story makes me so angry because I've heard versions of it in different ways. People getting let go because of their partner being the same sex as they were. And it it's just so ugly in this day and age and awful that you had to go through that. But your response was interesting. Yes. Um, I had an opportunity with a man named, uh, father Jim Martin, who's a Jesuit priest. He's also an, uh, an author. Um, he has a big following on Twitter. Um, he heard my story and he has ties with the New York times. He said, Matthew, Amazing. if you, um, if you want to go public with this story, I will help you. You know, you can share your story like this as an actor first. Like when you said before, you're under the microscope. I'm used to being vulnerable. Right. I'm used to being seen. I'm used to being on a pedestal, on a stage, on camera. And I'm I'm not shy to sharing stories. And this was my story. And I said, you know, I couldn't, not only that, but I live in the communities where I was working. Literally, the school was seven blocks that way. The, the church was three blocks the other way. If I couldn't say anything, what were people going to do? I mean, it must have affected over a thousand people between the families and my students and parishioners and my choirs. And I couldn't say anything to them right. if I signed these things. So in the end, that's why I decided to go public. And I, um, I made a video 
I made a video sharing the information with everybody in my communities because I said, how many times am I going to tell this story? Let me say it once. Wow. Put it on YouTube so people can share it. Oh my! I, oh, okay, wait, hang on. That see, that is brilliant. <laughs> and then, of course, is the the actor in you that that knew to do that. But it's also actually, honestly, addressing the issue at hand. And you, I love that you did this because you went from you know they were trying to give you the twenty thousand dollar payoff to now you're not going to do that. You're going to make a video and put it up there and explain who you are and what happened to you because people need to know that this was something that happened to you. How dare they? Um, We had been on zoom for about a year because of teaching on zoom. Everything was on the camera. Everything was there. So I said, this is just a natural extension. And you know, it's very interesting how you say um, that I, that you were, you're so angry. And a lot of the mothers and a lot of the families were also very angry. And for me, I was so, um, still in a state of stunned, shock, and also I think gay individuals, um, not uh, not everyone. People, some when they come out, some come out with a with a with a vengeance and a wonderful vengeance. But for me, I had always learned to be the good boy. I had always learned to do things the right way. I mean, I was smart. I was a good kid. So I said, let me just lean into that. And those are muscles that I know that I developed. And sometimes to break out of that um, niceness is difficult. Yeah, it is. Um, And maybe you or some of your viewers can um, identify with that. Yeah, Uh, for for me personally, like I did nice for a long time and I'm a very honest person. So now I choose honesty over anything, which is... Honesty can be happy or honesty can be angry and say, no, you're not going to do this. You're not getting away with this, which in essence, with the art that you ended up creating, that is what you did. That is your fighting back. You know, what's beautiful about you saying that you're honest and honest person is that um, when you said earlier that you were to me, you like, I'm very easy to talk to. And you really are, Wendy. (laughs) You're so easy to talk to. And I think it's because you're just so honest and real. And people really appreciate that. And I think that this story, the reason why I wrote it is because I wanted people who were um, indoctrinated from birth to know that they don't need to be suppressed. They can be themselves. They should be themselves. And the other thing is that obviously these churches and these religious institutions, they, they need to wake up. Absolutely. They need to wake up. But the thing is, that I think we as people need community and we need um, a sense, many of us, many are atheists and that's great too. But, um, you know, I think there are many people that need to be able to plug into a sense of spirituality or God or a higher power or universe or whatever you want to call it. And it's so, the fracture that occurs in the life of an LGBTQ plus individual of faith because of institutional policies like this are so unfair and so disgraceful. And I wanted to write a piece that would allow people to see themselves and to say, you know, I can reclaim that sense. And it doesn't have to be just about this church, because like I say in the play, um, the church is not God. Right. 
right? The church is not God, and that is a very important thing. But also you putting yourself out there in a piece that you created about something that happened to you. I'm sure there are people and their heads are shaking. And you're talking about creating that sense of community. When you create something like communion, you are creating community by doing that. There's a lot of, of kids that have grown up in the Catholic church because of, you know, their parents were Catholic. Nobody's a bad person. This was a church their parents went to and it didn't work for them. And as LGBTQ people, they were judged harshly. Um, I can, you know, the Methodist church is, is doing really well. Um, it's an, it is organized religion. And I have my own feelings about that, but I love what that the Methodist attitude is, hey, everybody is welcome here because people that are looking for a sense of community desperately need that. And you know what, Matthew, I think now more than ever, the timing on your play couldn't have been better because we're having this conversation and you, you know, you had this happen to you in 2021 in New York. Look at what's going on in places like Florida and, and not just there, all, all over the country, okay? Uh, how the LGBTQ community has been attacked cruelly, the trans community, you know, let's take away their hormones. You've, you know, you've heard the politicians. It, it is so, I listen to this and yes, it does make me angry. How dare people abuse other people in that way? And to me, like what happened to you, a wonderful teacher, a, a, just a great giving human being whose kids and mom's you know, loved and respected you. And, and then somebody goes quote unquote and outs you. That's what happened. And then you're, and then you're being judged, but you wrote an amazing play and you starred in it. And that is brilliant. So my director, when you said about creating community in communion, that was a big part of why we chose that title, but uh, her name's Kira Simring and she's the artistic director of the cell theater in on 23rd street in Manhattan. And she had the idea, the notion that people would sing as a music teacher. I could involve, I mean, I basically play myself in this solo show and it starts off in a choir rehearsal and the audience is my choir. I said to her, Brilliant. are they, are they really gonna, are they gonna sing? <laughs> are they gonna do it? And, and we worked and we tried, I mean, you know, that's the same kind of thought that I would have when I was uh, first teaching. I said, are these kids really going to sing? Are they really going to, you know? Right. And so you just, ex it's like when you said before, all the things that I've learned, all the the paths in my life, how they converged into this piece. Like, I really do teach the audience a song to open up, uh, mm. to open up the play. And they do sing. And it's just this wonderful sense. We're all so isolated behind our screens. Um, behind our Zooms, whatever we're doing at our Netflix, whatever whatever we're doing. And for those that came to the theater, to my show, this was a chance to suddenly be like, oh yeah, this exists too. Right. This yes. form, this opportunity, this, this idea of being together, you know, and maybe they were in a choir at one point and have right. long since forgotten that they did it. Maybe they were never in a choir and but the people around them in the audience were, you just kind of get lifted up with it. And it was such a pleasure to start the show that way and 
to build this this idea of community to show the exposition of this is a guy who teaches he's doing a he's doing a religious song here in this choir rehearsal and i share about my life and then it breaks into suddenly recordings and these recordings are um based off of literal recordings wendy that i made you used authentic recordings well, remakes of authentic recordings. Yeah, but the words are the true words. Yes. So I, um, when I was called into, I had the two meetings. The first was the meeting to say, hey, let's get your side of the story. Was this re wedding registered in a state? There was that meeting. And then the other meeting where they said, you are officially being terminated from your positions. I had the, um, the wherewithal to click record on my phone. <laughs> God almighty. <laughs> You're a smart actor, Matt. You yeah. really, really are. But you know, that was because my friend months prior had said, somebody called the diocese about your wet. So it was always in my head. And when I saw this stranger right. in this meeting, I was like, just put it on the table. And so I had, it's New York is a one party consent state anyway for recording. So it's, it's okay. Um, and I don't use those actual recordings in the play because, you know, those meetings went on for a long time and I boiled it down to like a seven minute scene. But I act with, you know how like in a chorus line where Zach talks from the balcony and you yes. just hear his voice, right? We do the same idea where the two actors who were, or the two, the nun and the priest who were in the room with me, I talk to them and I just visualize them as they would be there but their voices are recorded and it's not their voice. It's my voice acting yeah. as them. So I do voiceover work that way and voiceover work for her. Um, so I play, cause it's a solo show. So I play all the characters myself. Right. Um, wow. Matt, Matt, I want, uh, I want to play the clip. I'm, yes, I'm the needles. I want to hear it. <laughs> so yeah, sure. let's do it. Okay. Very good. Thank you. You've called me a minister, but I am not ordained. I don't write homilies. I don't teach religion. I simply teach people music. Rowan and I want to take care of each other in life and in death, and to do so legally, our only option was to be married. There is no in-between civil union law. Why should I be denied the communion of these legal rights with my God-given path as a gay man in this church of my roots? God's beautiful plan for my life includes marriage to my husband, Rowan. Anything less would be a mockery of his creation. And God should know because he knew me before I was born. I appeal to you in turn using the words of the Pope, if a person is gay and seeks God and has good will, who am I to judge? Please know that I wish to remain a part of these communities. I love these people and I love my God. Do not exclude me in the name of purity. Include me in the name of love. God with us, Matthew Emmanuel Labanka. Wow. That, it, that I chose that piece, it's very powerful. I wish I could have seen the whole play, which, which is going to bring me to, you know, when your next up and coming is, because um, lo I'd love to share it on social media. I think what you've done, it's not only a highly personal thing, 
so many people will connect to this and the time for communion is really, it's now, it's now, it's what's going on all over the country. I think that the root cause is the important thing to keep note. Like we can go to the government and ask for certain things, but religious, religious institutions are given governmental protection. Right. Part of Part of my rationalizing why I would stay at a job or jobs like this in the first place, because a lot of people were like, why was he even there? Why would he even be in the church if he's gay and he doesn't agree with that? Because, believe me, I, I wrestled with those thoughts all the time. A, the job showed up on my doorstep. They were easy tailor-made. I did not. I, they gave me health insurance. They gave me a parking spot. They gave me a pension. Oh, it's a no-brainer. It was exactly. a no-brainer. And, and I could walk to that. But the other is that you can make changes within an institution way, way more readily and way more easily from the inside than you can on banging on the outside. I agree. By boring holes from the inside. And just the idea that I was there in a church as an out gay man. Right. Um, I think spoke volumes to, you know, they say think globally, act locally. And I think it spoke volumes to the parish in general, to the faculty in general, because I was not fired by these parishes, by the school. I was fired from a higher level, from the, the diocesan level. Oh, yeah. You know, to, to me, who only knows a smidgen about Catholicism, that, that's like getting fired by the Pope, that this was like so huge. This they, they made it so huge, and they're meeting, and it took months. I mean, my God, doesn't anyone have anything better to do with their time? <laughs> It took months. It took that long because my principal kept fighting for me. I love it. And why did he fight for me? Because he knew me from head to toe. Inside. It's what you said. Right. Making it. Teacher as somebody who cared for these, this community and these families. So that's why it was, that's what was so fascinating to me about this story that like with the scene that I showed you was, I literally wrote a letter like that a lot longer. It would be boiled it down again for the show. But, you know, I, I was writing letters and I know that they were received again from the inside that I was making waves and making people rethink and switch because, I mean, they make the laws themselves. Right. If these priests and these cardinals and this pope, who clearly is a pro the most progressive pope who's ever yeah. been, not that he deserves like all medals of honor or anything because, you know, it hasn't full. I mean, he doesn't have a tie dye rainbow behind him the way you do. You know? there's, no, there's no rainbow flag at the Vatican yet. <laughs> Not yet. But, you know, I would keep one in my classroom. And I spoke to my new principal at, at a public school. By the way, I haven't I landed on my feet. That's part of the story as well. As I, and, as I would expect. And, and thank you. Thank you. And my neighbors. I mean, this again, the power of that community and the communion of that. Um, my neighbors came to my rescue, and it turned out that a school also in my neighborhood, elementary school, did not have a music teacher. That classroom was sitting vacant. Heard my story. My new principal, who um, is principal at a public school now, and um, 
she met me. She said, I want to hire you. Let's make it happen. Right. And so I, I was rehired and I started working again in my neighborhood with a whole new subsect of students and new families. Um, there, there are a lot of a lot of angels on my shoulder through this. Whole no, I mean, it's it's very obvious that God above that you can see the pieces moved on the chessboard. Yeah. Um, the only question I have is why were you the one? Why did you become the instrument of God in this? Because you clearly were. Look at all the different things that happened. And you were chosen, of course, to land on both feet. But you were also chosen to get the message out there. Do you ever think about that? Like, why you? Um, I could say why me, but I think every single person watching this, every single person on the world can has their calling. And A calling, their, and, yeah. And it's, um, it's what you say yes to in your life. Yeah. You know, yes, we have, we have our, our callings, but, you know, what do you... Um, what blocks are you removing to the goodness in your life, to the possibilities in your life? I think that's a big part of our our growth journey as human beings on this planet. And it would be it would have been very easy for me to say, you know what? Just give me twenty thousand dollars. Right. I'm not going to say anything, but it was a convergence of all the things that I've been saying yes to over the years. My acting career my growth as a, a human being within the church and then letting go of that church for a while and then coming back to it as an employee, my growth as a teacher, my growth as a, as a man of faith, my growth as a married man with my husband. And all those things came together. And I said, you know what? Maybe there's a story here. And then it was time to grow as a writer. <laughs> yeah, no, I, exactly. That was the culmination of everything of all those paths and why they converged. And then yes. it came out in this piece of writing and it was supposed to be, it's so interesting to me. I can't wait to see like what happens with you going forward. Like what your, your next is going to be. Cause I'm looking at like what happened to you and where you came from and, and how you landed and, and teaching jobs that were such perfect fits dropping down from the sky. And when, when it wasn't a good fit anymore, Oh my God, you were supposed to write this play. And by the way, would you like a teaching job in a public school in your neighborhood, by the way, I mean, come on, there's just so many, so many variables. You just hit on something here. You talked about removing blocks. Yeah. And it's funny. I do an afternoon um, show, a celebrity show. I had on a mentalist today, uh, which is, you know, uh, he's not really a psychic. I'm just a mentalist mind reads or whatever you want to call it. Great guy. But what we talked about is people removing blocks in their lives. What's our potential once we remove the block? And that is exactly what you did. You removed them. And look what look what came in your door. Really quite amazing. Yeah, but that's just the way the world works, you know? And I, there was a, a lot of a lot of cosmic support. And so I said, let's ride that wave. Right. The world works that way if you allow it to. Many yeah. people put fences around themselves and um don't go with I my saying has become, and I got this from the golden gaze, the guy who runs that um, whole acting troupe, but he's so smart. He said, we only go with the S's. And I've had to remind myself that going, you know, going with the S, 
whatever that yes may be. It could be a person, it could be an opportunity, but it's the thing that supports you. Go with the yeses. And that's exactly, you know, what you did. Yeah. Yeah. And the corks are supposed to float. So just float with it and see. What right. Happens. Corks are Don't supposed to under the water. Right. And right? corks, the cork of life is supposed to float. I just, that's a beautiful, beautiful metaphor. So, um, I did not get to see this amazing play. What are the plans going forward to do it and share it? So we're working on doing it again. Um, this was a developmental production that we did. We want to do something that's more immersive, that has more of a scenic design, more projection designs. Of course. Um, um, ideally, I mean, we're, like you said, just stay open to the possibilities. My vision for it, my ultimate vision, is to have it um, on a New York stage to make a world premiere in New York. Um, I think it's a perfect off-Broadway fit. Um, and doing it in New York would uh, provide more legitimacy, more visibility, yeah. opportunity for um, human interest pieces, for reviews, and um, the opportunity then to take it beyond the five boroughs of New York City to places like Pennsylvania and Florida and yeah. Wyoming and wherever else where it could have where some might say that there's a, there's a deeper impact that could be felt. Right. Uh, in the telling of it, that's, that's what I saw. I saw this play being put up all over the country. Yeah. Because it's a, it's a story that really needs to be heard and needs to be shared. Yeah. And, uh, you know, bless you for, for writing it. So for you personally now, you're um, you're teaching, and we only have a couple of minutes left. What, tell me some of the things you're doing going forward. And so, by the way, thanking your wonderful <laughs> husband for sharing you. Oh. <laughs> Thank you, Rowan. <laughs> uh, he's saying, you're welcome from the bedroom. <laughs> you a good one. <laughs> so did I. <laughs> you did. It was I a sure mutual did. good picking. Sure did. Um, so, um, well. What's what's happening now? So um, yes, I'm still continuing to teach. I um, am grateful that the actor strike is looking like it's going to be over. Yes. Um, I worked on some of your viewers might might know um, on Apple Plus is a TV show called Severance. Yes, I had um, seen that you had done that. Now, um, tell me what you play in that that role. I can't go to because I I signed a real non disclosure. Oh, for you, that. that's yeah. <laughs> but but I can tell you that. Um, that I was part of season two. And so that when that drops, that that's something that I'm looking forward to, to having happen. And, um, and when can we expect to see that? Oh my gosh. Oh. Season. I, I was yeah. saying 2024 maybe, but. Okay. I'm, I'm not going to would. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With everything that went on with the writer strike and with the actor's strike, so you know, everything crazy. got really, got really um, postponed. So that's happening. But, um, the other is that we're just working to make this. I'm working with a few producers and meeting with more producers to build my team as and make it as strong and as robust as possible um, to put it up here in New York. But we're also talking about bringing it to other venues right, um, uh, and to other states. There's a possibility because it's so uh, such a simple piece as far as it's just me and a stage manager and uh, the audio and the projection that it could play in a lot of venues. So we're looking to tour the piece. We're raising funds to make that happen. And Great. we're uh, we're moving forward. 
um, all really, really great stuff. And I'm sure you get tremendous joy out of the kids that you teach. So one of my dreams, uh, which has been modified, especially as you get older, was I had always wanted to be a father. And there's so, there's a part of me that will always have that nurturing capability. Now that I'm getting close to 50, I'm like, I don't know that I really either can or want to or can afford or all of those things. Um, you know, the energy that it takes to raise your own children. But I, did, I had one. I could do did. one. Yeah. yeah one, you can do one. There's two of you and then one of them. You can do it. Two is but, another thing, but one, one. But, um, but I, there's something so special to me about being able to, um, have my own students. And right. so, and it, Oh, who was that? Well, this is the fur baby. This is like the other child. You can do one human child and one fur baby. <laughs> yes, amazing. But and you have all these kids that you are nurturing and growing and making an impression on that they're going to become adults and come do something great and come back and say, oh, my teacher, Matthew Labanca. Mr. Is one responsible for me doing this? How powerful is that? I think about that a lot um, because the things that you say and do, like we all remember certain things that happened in the fourth grade and the fifth yeah. grade. And we remember. Yeah. And so, you know, I want to create as, as special and as memorable and as good feeling a memory as possible for my students. So I keep that I keep that in the forefront of my mind. And it's that same philosophy that I apply to, to my writing and to this show, to communion, that I wanted people to really, I wanted to write something that would shift hearts and minds. And again and again and again, I keep hearing from people, from audience members, from reviewers like Jed, Ryan, who, who connected us, um, that this piece has shifted, this changes uh, their minds, this opens their eyes to, um, the possibility of what could be right right so possibility I, yeah. of of what could be um matthew thank you i can't think of better words uh such a pleasure having you on the show i always use a parting picture so look into my camera and smile thank <laughs> you. <laughs> one more all right um i wish you the best of luck people can find you where on social media um, you can find me at Matthew Labanca. You can also find us at Communion Solo Show okay. on Instagram. And then our website, if you want to see more videos about yes. communion, is communiontheplay.com. Communiontheplay.com. And there's a ton of links to all the socials. There's more videos. There's trailers. And even a spot if anybody's interested in donating to support our piece. There's a way to do that as well. That is, that is fabulous. Thank you so much uh, for being here. I'm thankful for you and Thanksgiving is a week away. So I'm thankful we got to have this conversation. Thank you to everybody who tuned in tonight and we will be back next week. Good night, everybody. Good night.